was a junior in Bible uh, college, they added a class to the um, elective schedule that you could take, and the class was simply called prayer. And it sounds like an interesting class, doesn't it? And actually, uh, something that might be kind of fun to take, because you think about all the different things you could talk about in a class like that. You could study some of the different passages on prayer, or you could study some of the great prayers of the Bible, or you could even go a different direction and talk about uh, some of the people who are known as prayer warriors throughout history, or, or maybe you could even go something that's a little more like, you know, how do we pray collectively and go in these different directions. And it really sounds like a great class to me if it's offered in a church setting. But if you offer it in a college setting, all of a sudden I'm not interested. And you know why? Because you're going to get a grade on prayer. And most of us, if we were graded on prayer, we wouldn't be too excited about that because most of us deal with this sense that we're not doing great with prayer. And maybe we wouldn't get an F, but maybe we get a C or maybe we're, you know, down there in the D category. Few of us would give ourselves A's when it comes to a grade on prayer. And it's for a lot of different reasons, isn't it? Some of us, we just feel like we don't pray enough. Or we don't feel like we're very good at praying when we do try to pray. Or we get our words confused and our, and our thoughts confused. And if we're just praying by ourselves and not praying out loud, we kind of, you know, drift off. Or sometimes we drift off to sleep. Or sometimes we don't know exactly what to pray. And when we do pray, we don't get answers. And we're frustrated by that or our prayers. We, we resort to a list and we just start checking off that list and it becomes repetitive and boring. And it just feels like one more thing that we're supposed to do because, you know, this is what good Christians do, right? We pray and we look around us and it seems like everybody's probably better at prayer than we are. We go to a prayer meeting, we hear somebody pray and they're, oh, so much more eloquent than we are. Or they just don't fumble over their words like we do. And we get frustrated with prayer, and we look at ourselves when it comes to prayer, and we say, you know what? I'm just not very good at this. I, I wish I were better. And, and most of us, if not all of us, would say, I wish I were better, but if truth be told, and if I were getting a grade, I don't think I'd be that excited about my grade. Well, I have good news this morning, and it's this. What you're dealing with is what I'm dealing with, is what we're all dealing with. In fact, we all struggle with this area. Christianity Today, back a few years ago, did a poll on Christians and prayer. This is an interesting statistic. Only 31% even said that they had a daily prayer time. That means that 69% of Christians don't even have a daily prayer time. But that's not new with our generation. It goes all the way back to Jesus' disciples, who evidently didn't think that they were great at prayer either because they came to him one day and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And that story shows up in Luke chapter 11. And I want to read some from there this morning. And I want to read some from Matthew chapter 6. Because the Lord's Prayer shows up actually in two passages a little bit differently. And we're going to pull from both of them this morning. But in Luke chapter 11, verse number 1, it says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples. And Jesus responded by saying, when you pray, say. And let me just interrupt that thought right there to say the good news isn't that we all struggle with it. 
The good news is that Jesus says, here, let me help you. And as we explore this prayer, the Lord's prayer as we know it, over the next five or six weeks, the encouragement is it's Jesus saying to us, here, let me help you get a better grade in prayer. And so he gives us this example. He says this, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. And the disciples come in this situation and they are asking for help. Why are they asking for help though? Because they want to do better. And that's the case for all of us. We should want to do better when it comes to prayer. And I'm not seeing an outline or whatever, so I don't know if that's not loading or what we've got. So I'll try to be really clear if you are following along with the outline there. But we want to do better in prayer, and we can do better in prayer. And the reason we can do better in prayer, there we go, is because God wants to help us. Jesus says, here, let me give you an example of what to pray when you pray. And as we explore this prayer, is Jesus simply saying to his disciples, and simply saying to us as his disciples, here's how to pray. But Luke 11 isn't the version that we're most familiar with. In fact, as I read the Lord's Prayer, you're like, that didn't sound right. That's not the one that I'm used to saying, or that's not the one that I'm used to reciting. That's because we usually recite the version that's provided in Matthew chapter 6. And in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer, but he gives it in a different context. In fact, we believe that these two instances were not the same. Some events are repeated in the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Sometimes we see the exact um, event repeated in, in, in one place or the other. In this case, we don't think it's the exact event. In fact, we think that Jesus gave this prayer in two different instances. And in the Matthew passage, he's giving it in the Sermon on the Mount. But what he's doing at this section of the Sermon on the Mount is he's saying, if you're going to practice these, what we call, Christian disciplines or these Christian practices... Don't do it like the Pharisees do it. Do it in a different way. And so he's giving the Lord's Prayer as a contrast to the way that the Pharisees actually prayed. And we can read about that in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse number 5. He says this, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray... Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask them. And it tells us this, that there is a right way and a wrong way to pray. There's a right way and a wrong way to pray. Now, don't be intimidated by that. And don't say like, oh, I'm afraid I'm going to pray the wrong way because Jesus actually just told us what the wrong way to pray is. And then he goes on to tell us the right way to pray. But let me just point out those wrong ways as we read through them. One of the wrong ways to pray is to impress other people. Sometimes, you know, we do that. And if you've ever been involved in a corporate, you know, setting where there's prayer, sometimes you wonder if people are praying to God or people are praying for people. And Jesus is saying, don't be like that. 
Don't make your prayers for other people. Make your prayers to God. Let him listen in. Don't worry about everybody else uh, on the outside. Don't try to impress people. He also says there, don't make your prayers all about many words. And maybe that should be an encouragement to some of us. You say, well, I'm this now. You know, I don't have a lot to say. And when I pray, I don't pray for very long. And Jesus doesn't seem to be too worked up about that. He says, don't make it many words. Don't make your prayers long and drawn out. The length of the prayer isn't the issue. It's the substance of the prayer. This prayer, the Lord's Prayer, as we read it, it's only 66 words. Now, it's given as a framework, not as a full, complete prayer. But it's still a reminder to us that it doesn't have to be a long prayer to be a valid prayer or to be a prayer that, that brings, you know, God's attention. If you read this in the King James Version, it talks about vain repetitions for many words. And the danger even of liturgical prayer sometimes is we've memorized them and we recite them, but they become empty words to us and we don't even pay attention what we're saying. In fact, we could probably, as a group, recite the Lord's Prayer here this morning because we've done it many times and we could get to the end of it and I could say to you, what was that all about? And you'd be like, oh yeah, I I should have been paying attention to that. And Jesus actually says, when you pray just empty things because you're used to praying them, that's the wrong way to pray as well. But he goes on in verse number nine and he says, don't pray the wrong things. Instead, This is how you should pray. And he's talking about the right way. And the point is this. It's not just what you say, but how you pray. In other words, it's not about the words. It's about the approach. And as we study this, the Lord's Prayer, there's no magic in the words. And there's no magic in repeating the words. The importance is in the prayer, in the approach to prayer, in how we go about it, not what we say, but what we mean, or what's coming from our heart, or what our attitude, or our approaches. See, this was given as a pattern for prayer, not as a prayer to pray. In other words, it's an outline, or it's a template, or it's a skeleton that that we can hang the meat of prayer on. So there's no magic in this prayer itself. It's not going to absolve you of any sins. It's not going to bring you any spiritual good luck or grace or anything like that. Its purpose and its point is to instruct us on how we can pray ourselves, even in our own words. Now, is it wrong to recite the Lord's Prayer? No, absolutely not. But the point is to help us learn how to pray. And so what we're going to do is read through it here in Matthew chapter 6 in just a minute. But I want to focus this week on the start of the prayer. Because starts matter, don't they? I mean, um, if you're going on your first date, you want to get that date off to a good start, right? Uh, I've told this story before. When, When I went on a first date with my wife, it was a blind date. So I'd had to call her on the phone. I'd never met her before, never talked to her before. And I called her on the phone. I wrote out everything I was going to say word for word. Why? Because first impressions matter, right? It worked, okay? Right? So she told (laughs) Either that or it was kind of like a sympathy type of thing there. But, uh, you know, the first day of school. We always try to be prepared for that. The first day in the job's important, right? If you're going to build a house, get the foundation set straight and square and level. Unless you like the doors to close all the time by themselves, right? 
You know, if you're going to install a floor, you want to make sure that first board is straight and square. If you're going to meet the in-laws, first and pray, starts matter. If you're buttoning up your shirt, how you get started matters, doesn't it? And if you're still leaning in and listening today, maybe it's because of how we started this talk and just about that idea that most of us would like to be better when it comes to prayer. So we're going to focus on the start of the prayer this week. And that shows up here, verse number seven, I believe. Our Father in heaven. That's the invocation. That's the start. And then Jesus goes on and he gives six requests. And they're in three, or excuse me, two groups of three. And the first three requests are actually for the furtherance of God's cause. He says, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that doesn't translate great into English how it would have been in the original Greek. But it would read properly if it said this way, may your name be hallowed or revealed, or revered, excuse me. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we have this triplet here of requests. And then Jesus shifts and gives us another triplet. And that's these three requests. Verse number 11, give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, or some manuscripts say from evil. And then some translations include that tag there, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. But this morning we're just focusing on the start, because how you start matters And when we pray, how we start actually sets us up for the rest of the prayer. And so we want to get off to a good start. So the first thing here is to simply pray. In Luke 11, 2, Jesus said, and when you pray, it's assumed. It's assumed that you're going to pray. And why not? Because prayer is simple and anyone can do it. On its very basic level, prayer is simply a conversation that you have with God. Just like you would talk to your neighbor or just like you would talk to a coworker or talk to somebody in your family, you talk to God. That's what prayer is at the very, very basic level. So if you're sitting here this morning and say, I've never prayed, don't be too freaked out by it, okay? It's just a conversation that you have with God. Now, it's a little bit different because normally you don't hear him speak back, but it's just talking to God and that's all it's meant to be. But we get started by just praying and saying, okay, I'm going to dive in. I'm going to try this. I'm going to do this, and anybody can do this. Because the act of prayer is more important than the content of prayer. The fact that you pray is more important than anything that you say. Whether you get it right or whether you get it wrong, the fact that you come and say, okay, God, I'm going to talk to you is the key idea here. And it's the key idea because when we do that, we are putting ourselves in a place of humility and dependence. And I'm acknowledging that God is greater than I am. And I am acknowledging that I need God. And I am acknowledging that I'm depending on God and that with the needs that I'm bringing, he's going to be the solution to those needs. And so by praying, I am actually saying to God, You're greater than I am, and I need you because I'm not adequate for the challenges that I'm facing in my life. 
And this is why Jesus says this is how you should pray, not so much what you should pray. The second thing, though, is when we pray, we should pray to our Father. So pray to your Father. And this teaches us, and this prayer teaches us a lot about theology. But it's interesting as we look at this idea of Father. First of all, this was not a common way that the Jews in Jesus' time would have addressed God. Now, it was natural for Jesus as the son to address his father that way, but he was introducing a new name for God in a sense. If you read through this passage here in Matthew 6, he says father 10 times. And he's trying to impress on the people that are listening to him that there's a relationship here. Yes, God is great and God is above us and God is to be worshiped and revered and even feared. And yet at the same time, God is accessible and God is like a father. And so when we pray, we pray to a father who is personal, who loves us, who cares about us. In fact, he cares so much that Jesus says earlier, he knows what you're going to ask before you even ask it. He knows the needs that you have before you even come to him. This is who you are talking to. So the foundation of prayer is relationship then, and not requests. The foundation of prayer is relationship and not requests. Prayer is God's invitation to us to come and speak with him and to relate to him and to spend time with him. We have a tendency to turn it into requests, and certainly it involves requests. But that's not what it's all about. And we're way too quick to jump into request mode and to blow past this idea that he's our father. But when you pray, pray this, our father. And when you pray, pause for a moment to think about who it is that you're talking to and how much he cares for you. And the fact that he cares for you and in, in, in you have his full attention. And he cares for you and he wants to meet your needs. In fact, we pray our Father not so that we can get God's attention. If you start talking to God, you don't have to say God so that he knows that it's him that you're addressing. You can just start talking. He can figure that out. The reason we say our Father is so that we are reminded and so that we can be, excuse me, focused on who he is and on the relationship that we have with him. So the purpose of addressing God is not to get his attention, but to focus our attention. I'm talking to my Father. Now, not everyone can call him Father, and we'll come back to that at the end. But when we can call him Father, he's saying, please address me as that. And please be reminded of the fact that I love you like a father. And the fact that we call him Father also reminds us of his imminence. And we talked a little bit about theology. That's a word that we used to remind ourselves that Jesus, or specifically in this case, that God the Father is near. And so when I pray our Father, I remind myself that he is right here with me and listening. So when you pray, pray our Father. In fact, if you read on here in in Luke chapter 11, and I'm not going to take time to do that this morning, but I would encourage you to do this, Luke 11, 5 through 13. Jesus tells two different stories here about 
what God our Father is like. And the first story is a man who doesn't have bread for his friend. And so he goes and he knocks on his other friend's house to try to get his attention to borrow some bread. And he knocks and he knocks and he knocks. And finally the guy relents because he's tired of getting, having his door knocked on and gives him bread. And Jesus is saying, that's not what God's like. God's like willing to give, not like that. And then he goes on, he talks about, and who of you, when you have a kid, will ask, your kid will ask for bread and you'll give him a stone instead. What he's saying here is, when you pray, pray our Father, because you have a God who cares intimately and deeply about you, just like a father does for his children. I just spent a week out in California. Part of it was to get out of our weather, right? But part of it was to go see a child that I love very deeply. Let's get married this summer. And I'm losing her to this other guy, and I like him, and it's fine. But she's my daughter. And you know, it's even interesting. When we left the house, that house, I think, was cleaner than we got there. And there was more food in that house than when we got there. Because I'm the father. And that's what God is saying. When you pray, our father, that's who he is. The picture that we get of God is a king in heaven who's a father who cares for his children. And then he goes on, though, and he says, pray to your Father in or heaven. And this is not about God's location as much as it is about his transcendence. In other words, I'm on earth. You're in a realm and a level way above me. In fact, if I pause for a minute and think about the fact that you're in heaven, you exist in a way that I don't exist. You exist in the spirit, but you exist in holiness, and you exist in greatness, and you exist in power, and you exist in omnipotence, and you exist in eternality, and you exist in all of these different ways. And so when I pray, our Father who is in heaven, I'm reminded of the nearness of God, but also of the greatness of God at the same time. And I'm reminded of whatever need I bring, I bring it to a God who is more than capable of dealing with that situation. And by praying, our Father in heaven, we're reminded that we have a big God that we're talking to. And we're reminded of this, that the object of our prayer is more important than the prayer itself. And the object of our prayer is God himself. And the fact that we pray to him is more important than anything we pray. In fact, prayer in and of itself has no power. Prayer in and of itself has no power. Think about Elijah and and the prophets of Baal. They both prayed, right? Elijah and the prophets of Baal both prayed. What was it that gives prayer its power? It's the person that you pray to. And so when we come in prayer, Jesus says, start our Father in heaven. Be reminded of a God who's close enough to love you, but be reminded of a God who's big enough to do something about what you're talking about. He's the object of our prayer, and he is the hope of our prayer. And so when we see God as great as he is, it encourages us to bring our request, right? But when we see God as good as he is, it also encourages us to bring our request. And so the way that we start, sets us up for the way that we pray. And then he goes on and he says this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, or may your name be revered. It's interesting. 
We've got all set up. You know, okay, I know that God cares about me. I know that God's big enough to do something about it. Now I'm going to start asking him, and he says, oh, whoa, whoa, wait a second. Before you get to your request, we're going to go with a different set of requests here that are almost like God requests. Because prayer, first and foremost, is supposed to be about God. And the first request that God gives to us as a template is that we pray that God's name be revered or worshipped. And our first concern in prayer is not about us. Our first concern in prayer is about God. And we need to be reminded of that because that slows us down a little bit. But it reminds us of this, that the starting point to prayer is actually worship. And when we worship, it reminds us of the fact that it's not about what we want, it's about what God wants. But when we understand who our Father in heaven is, we don't worry about what God wants because we know he's a God who loves us deeply, who desires our best, and is capable of meeting whatever needs that we have. But we pray in worship. God, revered, worshiped, honored, praised, esteemed be your name. And when I pray this, I'm reminded again of this incredible opportunity that I have, but the incredible, I don't know if likelihood is the best word, but the incredible potential maybe that's a better word, that comes when we pray. And so how you start matters. Because this conversation with God is with God who is above all things, who spoke this world into existence, who at any time can do anything. And so we need to come with a certain level of respect, but we also come to a God who says, our Father. And then we could come with the Spirit who says, okay, God, what you want is what I want.